Behind me being assembled on the screen right now are brands. These are what corporate America spends gazillions of dollars on to create and evoke emotion. They represent corporate cultures. Brands are kinds or trademarks. They, some of them are losers, some of them are winners. <laughs> There's no question that they bring upon us emotion of some sort. For instance, a die-hard Coke drinker, Coca-Cola that is, is never going to be a Pepsi-Cola drinker. It's just not going to happen. And likewise, McDonald's, Burger King, there's no way you can be a Bruin fan and a Leaf fan. It's just not possible. <clears throat> Brand recognition is a big part of our lives. We're used to it. It's how we live and how we make decisions. Did you know that there's a disciple brand? There is. Would you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10? Jesus Christ outlines the corporate culture of the disciple in Matthew chapter 10. He establishes for us the brand, the kind. This is who the disciples of Jesus Christ are. This is how you'll be recognized. This is how you'll evoke emotion in people. This is going to be the culture of those who will follow the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the distinctive, unique characteristics. Matthew chapter 10. But before we look into this text, the last couple of weeks we've been discussing what is a disciple. We've already established two definitions as we grow the full nature of a disciple. A disciple is a baptized believer who makes disciples by going to people and baptizing those Jesus saves and teaching them to obey everything Jesus has commanded. We already saw an example of that in the waters of baptism this morning. A disciple is a baptized believer. The two candidates presented themselves because they're disciples of Jesus. Disciples are baptized. In the evangelical world, often the comment is made, oh, it really doesn't matter if you're, if you're baptized as long as you follow Jesus Christ. Well, Christ said you're to be baptized. He said his disciples are baptized. And so we have looked at that. We'll come back to it many times. And the second uh, definition we outlined for you last week was a disciple is a person who gives up everything for Jesus. This morning, as I said to you, I want to look at the disciple brand. Uh, the Matthew 10 uh, context is, in a, is part of a greater context of Jesus' ministry to his disciples. Earlier on in Matthew 5 and through 7, he said, Your life will be a reflection of me by, and the, and the, the, uh, the message of the gospel will be taught by how you live. And so he describes the teaching there of how people, how his followers will live. Uh, by the time he gets to Matthew chapter 10, at the very beginning of this, 
he's declaring that not only will you be teaching, but you need to go out and start touching people. You need to go closer to people. You need to go to people that they might experience the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ as your life comes close to them. But before you go, he says, I want to make sure you understand what the brand is. I want you to know what a disciple really is. I want you to know what the unique kind, the trademark that will be yours, that will be identifiable as you go. And so today we're talking about the corporate culture of the disciple of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at seven unique values uh, <coughs> in this particular text. Uh, but before we go there, let's, uh, let's ask God to open up our hearts to receive this. Father, we pray this morning, knowing full well that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, in presenting his brand, uh, those who would follow after him, was very straightforward and direct. And um, Lord, uh, for most of us in a, in a surface reading of this, would say this is a hard teaching. Who can, who can accept this? Who can receive this? And in truth, Father, humanly speaking, we can't. There's no way that we could measure up to the brand that Christ lays out for us here. Unless it were a transforming, life-changing work of Jesus Christ who moves into our lives and renovates us from the inside and makes us into disciples. And so, our Father, we pray and welcome you as you are, are completing the work in us that we might be presented to you complete in Christ, mature in Christ, perfect in Christ, Lord. So I pray that you would um, move in our hearts this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would cause us to be inclined to receive and welcome the teaching uh, that is hard, but is genuinely honest and truthful. You have told us what will be the brand recognition of those who follow after you. I pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. So he's gone through the disciple teaching and now the disciple touching ministry but now he's talking to us about the relational distinctives that will be between Christ and his disciples uh, follow along with me as we begin in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 10 a student is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master it is enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master if the head of the house has been called Beelzebub how much more the members of his household. So do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are, you not, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. 
Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. Well, this is the word of God to us this morning. I want to um, take a look here at Jesus' description of our brand uh, and break it down as a, as a coach would a game plan and, and take apart the elements of this and, and show you uh, exactly what you are called to be. And um, we're going to, to do it under the, 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 uh, the nature of a disciple is that grows out of here. And I have, I have seven things I want to share with you this morning, seven unique values that are the corporate culture of those who claim to be Christians. The real genuine Christian uh, shares these unique distinctives that I want to uh, pull out from this text this morning. And the first is this, a disciple is like Jesus. Verse 24 and 25. You'll notice it says there are students not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. Uh, disciple, the meaning of disciple is a learner, uh, a student of a particular individual. Uh, and, and in this case, the, the master is or the teacher is the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so he points out to us very clearly that that we are called to be like him. Uh, when you are a Christian, you are not like a preacher. You're not like a friend of yours or another Christian you know. You're not like a Sunday school teacher. You are to be like Jesus Christ. That's the mark of a disciple. And on the warm side of this particular, um, this particular first value is found right at the end of verse 25 where he says, You're members of my household. Uh, that's such a warm invitation to us to understand that, that Jesus considers true disciples in his household. And when we gather here as disciples of Christ, we are in the household of God. Uh, it, it is legitimate to say we're in the house of God when we gather together. Not, not the frame here, not the structures, not the bricks, not the walls. That's just an outside frame. But when we gather together here, we are the house of God. And so we come to worship in the house of God when we gather here because we're the household of faith. We're in his household. It's a, it's a wonderful and a warm relationship that we have with Christ. But on the reality side of this thing, he says to us, the more like him we are, the more like him we will be treated. Notice what he says here. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, or Lord of the Flies. It was an, a, a, a horrible put-down of Jesus Christ. It was a, 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 a slur against him. It was a slam on him. It was a, to compare him to a devilish creature. Um, he says, if the head of the household is going to be put down and slammed and persecuted and maligned and called names and, 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 and uh, given the... Uh, the description of ill intent, then so will you. 
There's no question that we share in his identity and his lot in life. The prosperity cult out there of happy and sappy teaching is not in, in any way, shape, or form a discipleship reality. Being mistreated like Jesus is not beneath us. It is the call in our lives. In fact, the world of, of the true disciple will not mimic a, the success of this world. The measure of success for us is the ability to be like Jesus. And he causes that to, to take place. And there will be lots of bad seasons in your mission life as you, first of all, understand that the brand is like Jesus. When people look at us, they should be seeing the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's our brand. The second is found in the next two verses, 26 and 27. A disciple is one who tells the whole truth of Jesus. Notice what he says here. So do not be afraid of them. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. A disciple is not backward about moving the message of Jesus Christ forward. That's who we are. That's our brand. We're to bring the message of Jesus Christ out of hiding. And we're not to be afraid. We're not to be afraid to tell the whole truth. We're not to be those who water it down and, and, and look at it and say, these are hard subjects. I need to tamper with it so that, that people will be willing to listen to it. We're not to, to, to try and cover it up or, or, or um, uh, soften its impact in lives. We're not to be afraid of confrontations about the truth of Jesus Christ. I'm sure most of you are noticing that that there's a lot of religious leaders that are out there currently who are listening to, listening to a lot of the cultural chatter. And they are starting to shape their messages on the basis of the cultural chatter uh, wherein they are living and serving. And they are shaping the teachings of religion to tickle, and tickle the ears of, of the people and the chatter of our culture. They're softening the message of Jesus Christ. They're saying that people won't ever want to listen to that. They're not going to want to listen to the hard lesson of this. No one's going to teach or preach Matthew chapter 10. I can tell you that. And Jesus says, this message that I spoke to 12 in a backwater place in the Middle East, I want you to proclaim from the rooftops because this is the disciple brand. And those who will follow after me better know what a real disciple is. Jesus doesn't want you to get to the finish line and find out you were hoodwinked along the way by some who refused to tell you the truth. How tragic that would be if you were listening to those who softened the message, changed the subject of, of God's word, and you found out at the end that you'd been, you'd been lied to, you'd been misled. God tells us, Jesus tells us, that a disciple is one who tells the whole truth of Jesus. And by the way, uh, though it will be hard, God will one day vindicate the truth you represent. Your truthfulness will be revealed. Your integrity will be exonerated as you stand confidently for the truth of Jesus Christ. We are not politically correct people. It doesn't mean we're obnoxious or ignorant or mistreat people. We're simply not politically correct in the cultural sense. We are scripturally honest people. That's who we are. Now, let's, let's be straight with this. Jesus said in his final command, I want you to go into the world and preach the gospel. I want you to baptize people. 
And then what did he say? And I want you to teach them to do. To do what? To obey the things that the culture is willing to listen to. No, to obey everything. Come on with me. Come on. Obey everything I have commanded you. And then what does he say? And I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. He promises to accompany those disciples who boldly proclaim the truth, who boldly proclaim everything that he has commanded. He says, I'll be with you. I'll be with you if you stand on the rooftops and proclaim what I told and what I whispered to you in your, in your um, uh, uh, devotions in the morning, what I whispered from my word into your ear. I'll be with you when you go to the rooftop of that place you work and proclaim boldly the truth and hold nothing back. When you tell people that the way you're living is an affront to the living God, you need to turn from your ways and follow the, the living God in, in truth. He'll be with us when we do that. And he's talking about his historic words. He says, the words that I have commanded you. He's not talking about so-called new revelation. He's not talking about the mystical, the experiential. He's not talking about the subjective. He is talking about the objective word of God once delivered to the saints, the apostles' teaching, the word of God that we have. The canon is completed and is given to us. That's the word of God that we preach. That's the word, that's the, the, the message that Jesus Christ accompanies. We're not to be afraid of offending we're not to want to say what people want to hear. We're not to tell them that they're always going to be healthy and they're always going to be healthy, happy and they're always going to be prosperous in a, in a material sense. We're not telling them uh, about personal makeover ideas so that they can climb the corporate ladder better. And we're not to accommodate scientific speculation. Who is puny man that he would shake his fist at the living God who was there at creation, who called creation into existence and tell him how it came about? No, no, we are people who tell the truth to the people of our culture. That's a disciple, one who tells the truth. Today there are so many people looking elsewhere than to Jesus, than to Jesus' word for their messages. That's what he said, that's not what he said to do. He said, tell them my message. And he says, do not be afraid in verse 28. Don't be afraid of people. Tell them everything I told you. Listen, if we're afraid to tell people the truth in Canada, how will we ever mobilize and take this message to the world? A world that's hostile to the things of God. We, we've had a, a Sunday school picnic here for, for several hundred years where for the most part the culture is, is tolerant at worst of the things of God. But the world and the people of the world are, are, are encroaching upon our country, bringing different teachings, different values, different cultural brands that are an affront to the living Christ. We're to be people of courage and boldness and not be afraid. That's where our third 
distinctive in our brand comes in, verses 28 to 31, a disciple trades the fear of man for fear of God. Jesus levels it right at the front end. He looks us in the face and says, if you're going to follow after me, you might get hurt. Isn't that what he says? Verse 28, don't be afraid of those who kill the body. (laughs) It's a little more extreme than hurt, isn't it? He talks about being killed there. He has already told them in verse 16, as we look back, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. That's quite a picture. I asked uh, Constance in our office today, or this week, to, to put together a Christian coat of arms. If you've been wondering what that background is that the graphics have been, that's, a, that's our Christian coat of arms. I said, listen, there's a sheep, a wolf, a snake, and a dove. Could you make me a coat of arms? That's it. That's our Christian coat of arms. That symbol right there is our brand. That, that tells us a powerful message. We are called and we need to understand by the Lord Jesus Christ that we are sheep. We are, we are sent out to be slaughtered. It's a tough world out there that is not a friend of Jesus Christ. We go among wolves. We should never, ever forget the imagery of that. But then he says, but I want you to be as shrewd as snakes, as innocent as doves. You know, I've heard many people t- preach about Christians say, yeah, Christians are sheep, and sheep are really dumb. And so that's why you really got to follow Jesus. And, you, you know, listen, Jesus said, yes, you're sheep, but I don't want dumb sheep. That's what he's saying here. I, I don't, I'm not looking for dumb sheep. I... He says here that uh, I don't want you to be stupidly vulnerable. That's why he says I want you to be as shrewd as serpents. And then innocent as doves. We aren't a physical revolution. We aren't the wolves and the lions going out there to prey on people. Crusades. Killing and slaughtering people. That's never been the message of Jesus Christ. Ever. That's our coat of arms. We're sheep. Sheep are not scary. They don't kill anybody. Anybody ever been, ever, have you ever heard of a sheep killing anybody? I never heard of it. I've heard of wolves, though. I've heard of wolves killing. Sheep don't kill. John Piper, in a sermon recently, actually at the Liberty Convocation this past week, said this, we die in love rather than kill in hate. That's our brand. That's our distinctive The terrorists of the world kill in hate. We die in love for people. So don't be dumb. Don't be dazzled by the trappings as if nice decor around you means nice. You're never supposed to forget that when you take the message of Jesus Christ to lost people, you are in the midst of wolves and they will turn against you. We're not to be slick. We're to be doves. Doves don't harm you. You know about doves? They're like, ooh, ooh. They're just like little soft little birds. They, they're nice. They're harmless. They're kind. No one's afraid of a dove. Doves, people like doves. Unless they're nesting in your yard or in your, on your porch. And then try to move a dove. Not only are they nice, but they're stubborn. And we're to be stubbornly nice. Stubborn for the gospel, the truth of the gospel. Doves are completely civil creatures. And we're not to be afraid. Their hurt, 
The hurt of the wolves is only temporary. They can only harm our body. And, and Jesus says here, please, please listen. You need to be concerned about the living God. He's the one who has control over life and death. He's the one who, who, who uh, is, is in charge of, uh, of those who go to heaven and those who go to hell. The Lord Jesus Christ gives us this message. You need to, to fear God. What, what is wrong with humanity and civilization that it, that it shrugs off respect for God and, 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 and tramples him underfoot? Why would we be afraid of man and not afraid of God? What can man do? The message here, I think, is if you don't fear God, you will fear everything. But if you fear God, you will fear nothing else. That's a powerful message that he gives to us. Fear the living God, and you'll have to fear nothing else in your life. If you don't fear the living God, you're afraid of everything. And you know that, the people around you. That's how they live. Anxious about every doctor's phone call. Anxious about every news headline. Concerned about every day that lies ahead of them. Every little pain or ache that comes their way. They quiver and shake and fall down because they're afraid, afraid, afraid. Now, Jesus here can sense in his disciples their concern. And so he says to them, don't you know about your Father in heaven? While he is this powerful God who created all things and is the author of life and has control over life and death and gives you every breath you breathe and, and is the one who can, who can determine who goes to heaven and whose soul does not, whose soul goes to hell. Do you not understand that this very God is the one who superintends a sparrow's fall to the ground? If you're wondering whether or not God cares about you, the God that is portrayed by Jesus Christ, the Son of God, very God himself, says, your God, the one that I'm asking you to entrust your life completely to, takes a sparrow that uh, you can get two of them for a penny and superintends and supervises by his will their death. And gently, gently takes them to the ground and escorts them all the way. He says to the disciples, he says to you this morning, are you not more valuable than that to God? I mean, after all, he says, this God, your heavenly Father, knows the very number of hairs that are on your head. Do you know? As I look around out here this morning, do you know the number of hairs? There's some guys that I see that, that know the number of hairs they have in their head. <laughs> because we often say, well, the Lord doesn't know my circumstance. I'm, I'm concerned about God. I'm concerned about entrusting my whole life to him, about the future that lies before me. I have so many responsibilities, and I, I have so many concerns, and, and, and God surely, he, he's going to line me up, and, and, the, and these are not going to be taken care of and all of that. He said, wait a second, the Father knows every hair you have in your head. We don't even get that detailed about ourselves, and we care about ourselves. He completely super, supervises every action for and against you. Well, what brings this great fear to us? Isn't it standing up for Jesus? Isn't that isn't one of the great fears of our lives as, as disciples of Jesus Christ? Standing up for Jesus. 
Remember that old song we love to sing? Stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. <laughs> Lift high the royal banner. And we'd sing it with gusto on Sunday and then oh, yeah, go to work. Oh, I hope nobody talks to me about Jesus. I don't want to have to stand up for Jesus on Monday. Listen to what he says. Verses 32 and 33. This is powerful in the center of the brand. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But listen, but whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. The disciple faces the shame and reproach of being loyal to Jesus. Head on. His shame and reproach gladly bear. The fans of the Jays, the Leafs, the Raptors, and the F, Toronto FCs kind of share something in common with Christians. Know what it is to face ridicule for the brand. But we wear our jerseys anyway. How many of us are wearing our Christian jerseys? That's what Jesus is asking. You'll gladly walk out with a jersey of your favorite sports team and be ridiculed and laughed at and made fun of. Jesus said, what I want you to do is I want you to put your Christian jersey on every single day of your life and make sure people know it's on. Pulls no punches here about the loyalty issue. He lays it right on the line. Do you really believe? Are you really, really my disciples? Are you really going to follow hard after me? He, he says, your standing before the Father is determined by your standing for Jesus before people. I don't know if I want to hear that. As I think back over the years, I don't know if I want to hear that. How many times I've cowered and, and, and taken the opportunity to just, just walk away from an, an opportunity to speak for Christ, to stand up for Jesus. If you waffle here, Jesus says, how can you claim to really trust Christ? And, and I want you to notice that Jesus is addressing his closest disciples here. He's not talking to a fringe group. He's not talking to the crowd now. He's talking to his closest he has his 12 standing in front of him. And he says, I'm talking to you about loyalty. They'd already left their lives behind and were following him. He says, no, I'm talking about real loyalty. This is what it really looks like. There's a brand, guys, a kind, a distinctive loyalty has a look. It's got a fierce look to it. Back in grade seven, I had one of those foolish moments of life. You, you, you've probably had one of them. I had this friend who was in grade eight, my best friend. And um, he was one of those guys, he wasn't a Christian, but he was my best friend. And he was one of those guys who was like a magnet to persecution. Maybe that's why I liked him. 
One day, as we, we were bus students, you know, you know, driving in the yellow bus to school, and one day on the bus, a bunch of other grade eight guys were just mercilessly persecuting this guy. Just calling him down, yelling at him, calling him names, all kinds of things like that. As we got off the bus, it continued, and this group of guys surrounded him and were doing horrible, horrible things and, and, and flicking his ears and trying to just push him around and make him look horrible in front of everybody else. And this is where the foolish part comes in. In grade 7, I was a poster child for the 90-pound weakling. You know what I'm talking about? I know things haven't changed all that much. I couldn't take it anymore. And so in a, in a moment of, of loyal friend passion, I went crazy. I just rushed into the crowd of guys swinging and shouting and screaming. And thank the Lord and his grace, they didn't turn on me. God drove them all away. It was just him and I. Because that's what you do. That's what you do when somebody who you care about is being hurt and persecuted and beat up. You, you step in no matter what because that's, that's what friends do. How many of us have allowed the people at our workplace to malign our Savior, to call him down, to, 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 to malign the precious name of the living God, the name that is above every name, and they in vain use it and mistreat it? How many of us have just turned a deaf ear? Of disloyalty to our great God instead of stepping in and, and saying that we're friends of that God. Because that's what friends do. Jesus said, if, you're, uh, if you really belong to me and you're loyal, you'll stand up for me and I'll stand up for you. In 34 to 37, fifthly, it says, a disciple treats Jesus as most important above all relationships. We don't have to spend a lot of time here because we've already taken a look at this. It's, it's found throughout the Gospels over and over again. Jesus keeps saying the same thing. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He says, do you suppose I've come to bring peace to the earth? I didn't come to bring peace but a sword for I've come to turn, turn a, a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and on and on it goes. Jesus' person, work, mission is divisive. It causes trouble, it, violence. People won't welcome you. They might not like you because you are part of the brand. You, you, you serve the living Christ. That's to be expected. That's what's going to happen to you. You represent the smell of death to those who are dying. Jesus is inconvenient. He's disruptive. His message is a, is a seismic wave with tsunami results. And this trouble may very well lodge itself at the very center of your heart, right into your family. He said, what do you mean Jesus isn't coming to bring peace? That was the Prince of Peace. I remember what the angels said at Christmas. Behold, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. And we've heard it said, which shall be to all the people. But the glad tidings Satan was to those upon whom God's favor rests. The majority of our world will go down kicking and screaming and fighting against the message of Jesus Christ. He is a watershed. 
He brings a violent reaction at times. There are people who don't want to hear this message. And they react violently against it. Loyal discipleship is all Jesus is about. Social accommodation that dampens that is a false gospel. The gospel might find parents and children and brothers and sisters and in-laws as enemies in their own family. Are you ready for that? Are you prepared for that? Jesus is telling them. You have to choose Jesus or family. You can't love them more than you love me, he says. Now, Jesus also taught that a true disciple does not neglect his family. So in between, that's why he said, teach everything I've commanded. Everything I've commanded. In between neglect and idolizing is where the real disciple is. You don't neglect your family or you're worse than an infidel, the Lord says. You don't idolize your family or you don't really love me. That's the teaching here. That's the full teaching of the, the word of God. That's the relationship value that is placed, our brand. That's who the disciple is. There's a sixth here, 38 and 39. This is tough. Anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. The disciple is prepared for a violent death. Yes, that's what he says. A true disciple is prepared for a violent death. It says, take up your cross. That, that's, a, uh, that's an offensive description. It's not lay in the weeds, lay back, and let what comes come. It's not hide out and hope that you can sl- sl- uh, sneak by this life and be all right. No, the description here is it's take up the cross, set your ship on course, and sail right into the storm. This is go provoke the lion kind of message. Remember, don't be stupidly vulnerable, but take up your cross. Prepare for a violent death. When you choose Jesus, his way, his truth, his life, every time, in every life decision, in every life confrontation, in every conversation, fierce pressure will come on you. It will. It has. You've been there. And here's what he's trying, the point he's trying to make. If you choose the selfish life, if you try to preserve your life, If you try to go it on your own and satisfy your every longing, self-searching life, you will lose your life. You will find the end of that road is destruction. We see it played out for us over and over again. The stars of our culture, the Hollywood stars, the great athletes who have everything, everything poured on them, the selfish life, the the self-searching life, everything that they want, and it leads them to great destruction and dissatisfaction and unhappiness. Jesus says, you go that journey away from me, you're going to hate your life. But if you give your life to me, if you lose your life for my sake, you will truly find it. And only those who are going to be his disciples are going to buy this. 
The others will turn and go another direction. This is a hard saying. Who can accept it? It's not a reckless call. It's a missionary call. With Jesus leading the mission. He doesn't just send us. Do you understand this? He goes before us. He's the ultimate great leader. It's not a martyr call. It's a call to action. To choose sacrificial life in Christ over selfish self-searching that leads to destruction. There's a final. So many, as many of us, when we come upon these disciple messages, we look at them and we say, well, it seems to me that it's all of these bold proclaimers of the gospel that Jesus is talking about. Where do I fit in? Jesus says, um, he who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Anyone who receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones just because they're a disciple of mine, I tell you the truth. He will certainly not lose his reward. The seventh brand value is that disciple comes in many different flavors of responsibility. He says some of you are prophets and some of you are just to welcome prophets. It's important for us to understand here that what he is saying to us is that, that, that he's calling everybody. The Lord Jesus Christ called you into his, his kingdom to be his representative, his brand representative, wherever he calls you, to whatever level of responsibility he gives to you. We have different professions, different abilities, different talents, different gifts. This brand works on every one of us. Every one of us can take all of these seven principles and we can bring them into our life in our setting. That's what he's called us to. And, and the great reality of this is we often think, well, well, I really want this role or that role because that's where the rewards are. He says, listen, a prophet, for instance, who proclaims, a prophet is the one who proclaims the word of God. If you welcome a prophet, you help a prophet you will receive the same reward as the prophet. You see, in, in the Lord's work, it's a great family enterprise. It's a, it's a, a great cause of, of a variety of gifts and giftedness. We, we serve in different roles, in different places, in different ways. And we each help each other to advance the mission of Jesus Christ. And so he says, listen, if you, you may not be a prophet who boldly speaks from a rooftop in front of, of hundreds and thousands of people. You may not be that. But if God uses you to, to advance the cause of the gospel through that person by being hospitable, by receiving them, by helping them, by moving them along and not getting in the way of what I want to do, then you're going to receive the reward of a prophet. You receive a righteous person because they're a righteous person. I'm going to give you the reward of a righteous person. You receive me because of who I am and the Father will receive you. It's a powerful lesson here. Rewards follow faithfulness to responsibility. What has God given you to do? What's he called you to do? What's he gifted you to do? 
And whether you are called to proclaim or make it easier for the one called to do so, you both share in the same reward. The one is called perhaps to the uh, really dangerous uh, place of frontline ministry uh, among obvious wolves. And another is called to sacrifice to advance that person's work for God. Same reward. Whether you're speaking the word of God or living the word of God or loving the word of God, it's about being in the game. That's what a disciple is. We're all in the game. This is our brand. This is our cultural values. This is our distinctives. This is a brand recognition, but we're all in this game called the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the message here. Loyal to Christ and to his message. Doing your part. So as we conclude this morning, the final uh, or the, the, the third in our series of disciple definitions is this. A disciple is one who chooses Christ and his mission over the fear of people and the love of family, even if it means dying. This is the word of Jesus Christ, our Father and our God. We offer this to you. We know this is a hard teaching, but it's Christ's teaching. It's what he tells us at the front end. He sends us out, but this is the brand. This is who we are. This is not who we can become in our own. Our own strength would falter so quickly from this. But Father, you've called us to do something, and you wouldn't call us to be something and do something if you didn't intend to strengthen us and enable us to do it. So Lord God, I pray that you would empower these, your people, to live as disciples of Jesus Christ, passionately, loyalty, going out where you call us, uh, wearing our jersey of Christianity, that people might see who we are, the brand we represent, and in particular, know about the Lord Jesus Christ we love, I pray. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. On that day, gathered around him were his closest friends and disciples. And he was sending them out on mission. And before he sent them out, he told them the way it was. The truth. What the brand really was all about. It was about total sold-out loyalty to Jesus Christ. He's sending you out this morning. So why did they go? Because they did. They went because they really believed. They went because they really loved. They went because they really believed that the Lord would reward them. That's what Jesus says. I'll take care of you. And I'll make it worth your while. So go. And they went. What about you? This is the brand. Jesus has told us the truth. There's nothing wrong with going out and serving the Lord with all of your heart because the reward is worth it. He tells us the reward is there. Respond to him. Respond to the Lord as your Savior and Lord. Our Father today. 
you have told us what it means to be sent out as disciples. You've told us the mission is tough. The opposition is great. We are a maligned minority. But oh God, you, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of creation, go before us. So may this your people follow hard after you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.